amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Would you turn now to Hebrews chapter 11? This book was written to the Jews. The author of Hebrews uses a style of teaching that is often used in the Hebrew culture of building upon truths by alluding to names, just hearing the name, like David. What do you think of when you think of King David? What story comes to mind? David and Goliath. A lot of people are familiar with that story, David and Goliath. The author of Hebrews, if he were to mention Samson or Barak or Gideon, anyone remember Gideon, what the Lord had to say to him while he was beating out the wheat? Oh, valiant warrior. But where was he beating out the wheat? On the threshing floor. Supposed to be up on top of a hill where the wind blows, where you can throw the wheat up into the air and the chaff, the little light holes of the wheat get caught by the wind and they get blown away. But you remember there was an enemy against Israel. And so Gideon was hiding because that enemy wanted to destroy Israel and wanted to take away everything that Israel had. So they would raid Israel and they would take away their food, destroy their trees. They were trying to make them desolate. It was a great way to wipe out an agricultural society. Just go in, just rape them from their crops, take them all away, and cut down all their trees. What have you just done? Taken away their food supply. The author of Hebrews would just mention these names so that things would come to mind to help stimulate us, to remind us that we have a God so great that he delivered Israel through a man who was actually cowering in a wine press, hiding and beating out his wheat. From the story, we ascertain that God saw Gideon a little bit different than Gideon's behavior indicated. He didn't seem like a valiant warrior hiding in there. He seemed like a guy just trying to get himself a little supper, not ready to fight. But God said, I'm going to use you. And I love how God sees us sometimes differently than we see even ourselves. We're at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, where we read, And what more shall I say then? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson, Yiptak and of David and Samuel and of the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by the resurrection. What a wonderful thing that God could even resurrect the dead and give back to a woman her dead child as she cried to the Lord. You know, we have a God who does hear our prayers. That story, by the way, is a great, great testimony of a woman crying out to God. God, my boy has died. What can you do? And he brought him back to life. That that mother's grieving would be stopped. Today we come to one of the names in the list. His name is Samuel. He's a prophet in the kingdom of Israel that lived in the time of David. That's he lived during the reign of the king who came before David, the first king of Israel, Saul. David is a young man that will be used to the Lord. We're going to actually study more about David. But before we do, I want to introduce you to Samuel because the two of them are mentioned right in the same verse here. David and Samuel and the prophets. There is a train of thought. Once you learn the names and you learn the stories, pretty soon you'll see that they all like piggyback one upon another upon another. Anyone who's like had to go to Jewish Sunday school would recognize there's a progression in this list. It's not just random hit and miss. Oh, I named some names. Oh, yeah, that story and all that. And that. No, no, no. 
All of these stories, we've seen that there's a common thread. There's a tie. There's progression. And if you learn the names, you learn a little bit about what happened to them. The Bible says everything that happened to them happened to them for our example. So we can do well to learn about these guys because personally, I don't know about you, but I'm allergic to pain. I, I always propound that. I'm not a, one of those guys, I just love to have it rough and make it worse. I, mean, I, I feel like life's rough enough without asking for extra pain. I'm not one of those guys, I've got to learn everything the hard way. You know, a school of hard knocks. That's the only way to learn. That's baloney. Did you know the school of hard knocks is just a hard school to go through? And it isn't the only school out there. There's the book of Proverbs in the Bible that teaches us that we can learn from others. It even tells us, maybe you're inclined to be lazy. The Bible says, go, you sluggard. He, he says, I passed by the field of a sluggard and I gained instruction. I saw his field all overgrown with thorns and thistles. And this is what God showed me. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And he says, your poverty will come on you like a thief. That man didn't realize he was going to have no crop because he just laid on the wall doing nothing. Didn't tend to his crop. The man who gained that wisdom didn't gain it from having his own crop overgrown. He gained it by seeing the crop of another. He didn't have to go through the trouble himself. In fact, Solomon writes this beautiful thing. He says, go to the ant. Feeling lazy? Look at the ant. They gather all through the good months, the summer months, to prepare for the winter. You mean we can learn lessons from ants? I mean, more people. You think people can learn from little bugs? What's the answer to that? Yes if you choose to enroll in that school. See, in that school, you don't have to learn the lesson the hard way. You can do what I call cheating. Learn it from someone else's problem or learn it from someone else's strength. There's nothing wrong with us learning from someone who's got a strength in an area. In fact, those are the ones I like to get around to help model to me the right things to do. If they're strong in an area that is godly, I want to be around them and learn that strength. Well, today... I'd like to share with you this name in the list that some may be familiar with already and some may not. This one that is going to be intertwined with the life of David. In fact, he will be the prophet that will be sent by God to anoint David. Today, I get to tell you about Samuel. Because Samuel has a great story about his mom. In fact, it starts off with a whole chapter. Well, two chapters. The first two chapters are all about mom. Samuel's mom. Her name is Hannah. Thought I might share with you a story about Samuel's mom, this great prophet whose life will be intertwined with David's and, and will you be used of God to do mighty things? Might be nice for you to just be introduced to what his mom was like. Maybe some of the things that you can learn about Samuel, even from before he was born, the struggle that his mom went through. It's recorded for us in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now there was a certain man from Ramathene Zophon. It's the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah. He's the son of Jeroham and the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth. He was an Ephraimite. Quite a bit of struggles going on around this land, Ephraim. Now it says Elkanah had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The other was Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. 
There was there the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, and they were priests to the Lord there. Now when the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah his wife and all her sons and her daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. For he loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Her rival, however, Peninnah, would provoke Hannah bitterly to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. You think these ladies were nice to each other? So it happened year after year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord that she would provoke her. And so she wept and would not eat. Did this lady just do this once? Twice maybe? No. The scripture tells us that Peninnah did this year after year. Every time they went to sacrifice to the Lord. Now that's got to help your spiritual approach to God, don't you think, gals? You want to go worship God, but... You're married to a man who's married another woman and she has kids and the Lord has not allowed you to have kids and the other gal is going to let you know it. Maybe in your upbringing it's not a big deal, but in the Jewish culture, was it a big deal for them to have children? Oh yeah. Can anyone tell me why such a emphasis was on that the gals would have a child? What was the hope of every Jewish girl? That through them somehow would come the Messiah, the promised one. As Adam and Eve sinned right from the beginning, he said, to your seed, through your seed, I will send that one. He's going to be the seed, the one that redeems the world from sin. Eve, you messed up, but through your childbirth, even in our messed up condition, he says, there's a hope. And a gal who didn't have children, boy, they got, well, as you can see, this gal is being bitterly provoked and irritated by the other wife. But notice this. When did she do it the most? I mean, it doesn't say she did it all year long. It said when they went to the house of the Lord. Can you imagine someone would want to irritate you or provoke you when you're trying to go to worship the Lord? Has anyone ever experienced a disruption or provoking or irritation when you went to try to go worship God? Has anyone here ever experienced what I call the Sunday morning crazies? They don't happen any other day of the week. But on Sunday morning, as you're trying to get the family ready to go to church, stuff goes nuts. Things go wrong. All of a sudden, the car won't start. Or all of a sudden, the tire is flatter. The phone is ringing, and it's some irritating salesman who won't shut up and won't take no. And you hang up, and he calls right back. What is going on? There is a thing going on in this world. You may not realize this, but Paul the Apostle says that there's a spiritual battle, not against flesh and blood, that is waged against us. I've noticed it seems to ramp up every time I try to go worship the Lord. Or every time I try to spend time, you know, no one's around, no one's, I'm just going to read my Bible for a few minutes and draw near to the Lord. And right then it breaks out. Well, this is the experience of Hannah. Every time it's time to go worship the Lord, old Peninnah starts piping up. You don't have any kids. I do. And she's irritating. You can put your own irritating slur to the thing she's saying. Maybe you have a sibling that used to be irritating. It's just the way they say it. You know how people can do that? They just know how to get under your skin. When we're around people we love, it's amazing how we can get to know them so well. We know which button to push and how to just, oh, really? You think so? Someone else could say the same words and it wouldn't work, but they know the tone. 
They know the way to spin it. In my mind's eye picture, how this is continuing on, and, and Pananiah, I have a feeling, is getting good at this. She's figuring out Hannah, how to irritate her, how to bitterly provoke her. But Elkanah, it says, would speak to Hannah. Verse 8, oh, this is a comforting thing. Elkanah would say, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart so sad? He could see that she was troubled by this. Am I not better to you than ten sons? Now it says there was Eli the priest. He was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. Remember, Eli's the father of his two boys who were also in the priesthood there, Hophni and Phinehas. Eli will be considered one of the judges of Israel who will judge Israel for 40 years. We'll read about him later in chapter 4, about the middle of the chapter, we see that he gets to be a, one of the judges, one of the last judges, by the way, before Israel rejects having judges and says, give us a king. We're right at that point in Israel's history where they're going to transition from having God as their king to where they're about to say, we want a man. Israel had a period of time where God was their king and they didn't have a king like the other nations. In fact, the other nations used to say, not when they saw Israel coming, oh, we're afraid of Israel. Who did they say they were afraid of? The God of Israel. Uh-oh, here comes those guys who's God. Not who's king. No, no, they're God. We're right at the end of that period where they're going to say, we like having you, God, for our king. And they're going to say instead, give us a man so we can be like everyone else. And Eli, one of the last ones that will be in this seat of what was called the period of the judges, came before the period of the kings. He's going to be there at the house of the Lord. And I want to show you something that I learned from this guy, especially for anyone here who aspires for ministry or men for you that have to minister in your homes because the Bible says you're to be a priest in your own home. I learned this many years ago from this man right here, this verse. This guy, Eli, who teaches... Well, he didn't know it, but God used him to teach me something. And I'd rather learn it the easy way. And I hope you can too. Look at this story. Then Hannah, after she was eating and drinking in Shiloh, verse 9, she saw that Eli the priest was sitting by the seat of the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she was greatly distressed. So she prayed to the Lord and she wept bitterly. And she made a vow. She said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy maidservant and remember me, and not forget thy maidservant, but thou would give thy maidservant a son, then I would give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come to his head. This was a form of dedication according to what they called the Nazarite vow. He would be one that a razor would never cut his hair to symbolize his holy dedication unto God. From his womb, I'll never cut his hair, Lord. Well, verse 12, we read this. That as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart, but only her lips were moving, and her voice was not heard. She's in deep prayer. She's mouthing it. Obviously, Eli couldn't read lips. He just seen her mouth move, no words coming. I can't hear nothing. And Eli, by seeing this, he thought she was drunk. And so he spoke to her and said, How long will you make yourself drunk? Put away wine from you. But Hannah answered and said to him, No, my Lord, I am a woman oppressed 
in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Please do not consider your maidservant as worthless, a worthless woman. I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. And then Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way, and she ate, and her face was no longer sad. This poor woman, she's going to the house of the Lord to put her petition before God. Her heart's heavy. She's been being picked on, and she's crying out to the Lord. And here's a man who eventually will spend 40 years as the judge of Israel. He already has two boys already, so we know that he's been there as the priest for a while. And here's one of the greatest things I learned. Though he's a judge of Israel, not all his judgments were right on. What was his mistake? He was judging by outward appearances, by what he saw. He didn't know what was in her heart. He didn't know that she's there praying, pouring out her, her request to the Lord. He just sees this gal, her mouth moving, no sound coming out, and thinks she's drunk. And he makes ministerial mistake number one. Don't ever judge him by outward appearance. God has used this example of this man Eli to teach me something because, well, he made the mistake. He thought she's drunk, and she wasn't. And sometimes we look at people's lives, we're so given to judging by outward things. Maybe it's the way they dressed. Oh, boy, they dressed like that. They certainly couldn't be God. Look at, they're wearing a shirt. And look at it, it has a picture of some cartoon. Uh, that's an ungodly guy. He's always got an ungodly cartoon on his back. Some craziness that I hear, I, I think, you don't even know that guy didn't even have a shirt. God just supplied it. And he's thanking God for the shirt. Oh, God, thank you for the shirt. I didn't have a shirt. And you're sitting there judging him. Look at the shirt he's wearing. We have to be really careful. Outward appearances can get us in the greatest of troubles. Well, Eli was quick to repent, though. After she told him the truth, no, I was just pouring out my heart to the Lord. He said, oh, 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 I'm sorry. Go in peace. I love this. Quick recovery. Go in peace and may the Lord grant you your petition. She went her way and she was no longer sad. And here's where we get Hannah's praise report. Verse 19, we read, So then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. And they returned again to the house of Ramah. And Elkanah had relation with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And it came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel. In the Hebrew, Sam is to ask. It's the word to ask. And you would be of, like we would say, ask of something. And El is for, in Hebrew, Elohim. It's an abbreviation of God. Asked of God. Named her boy. Asked of God. That's a beautiful name. Samuel. She named him Samuel because she said, I have asked him of the Lord. Then Elkanah went up with the household to offer to the Lord yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then after I have weaned him, I will bring him that he might appear before the Lord and stay there forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Remain until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, and they took a three-year-old bull and one epath of flour, a jug of wine, and they brought them to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And although the child was young, 
Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I have asked of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated, or in the Hebrew, the word is like lent, like given. The Lord gave him to me, but I'm lending him back. It's his gift, and I've got to give back to him. So I lend him now to the service of the Lord, and so they worship the Lord there. She brings the boy and says, here you go, priest. Remember when I was here? I was the one you thought was drunk. Well, I'm back. And the Lord heard my petition. And here's my boy, and his name is Samuel. Now, the priest is going to know the Hebrew, so he's going to know this kid's name means asked of God. And God has answered her prayer. And she says, and now here you go. I've dedicated him to the Lord. He's to stay here with you. And then chapter 2 goes on to tell us this great praise and prophetic song that Hannah begins to cry out. One that if you're familiar with the history of Israel, you'll see as she sings this song of praise to God, she actually prophesies during the song some of the lines of the upcoming things that are going to happen to Israel. It's amazing. If you know the story, you think she must have cheated and read ahead. Only they didn't have the book written yet. She read ahead all the way past Eli's life and into Samuel's life and into the next, well, the coming king. They didn't have kings yet. And she mentions the king. A really neat thing that happens to this woman. The power of God, her sincere desire to worship God, and God meeting her, answering her prayer. He gives her this boy. But I love Hannah. She says, Lord, I give him back to you. Now, don't get sad and think now she's childless again and Penina is just going to have her way with her and razz her. I'm going to skip over the song of thanksgiving that she sings at the beginning of chapter 2 and go a little bit further to verse 18 in chapter 2 where we see God's hand with Hannah. It says, Samuel was there sitting as a boy wearing a linen ephod and his mother would make him a little robe and bring it to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. So she brought him a change of clothes each year. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife. May the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the one which she has dedicated to the Lord. So they went on their way to their home. And just in case you were worried, this is a great verse, verse 21. And the Lord visited Hannah and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and to two daughters. And the boy Samuel grew up before the Lord. God said, I see what you've done. And so he honored this woman and made it that she would be able to bear children. And in the Bible, sometimes we get the Reader's Digest. We know it didn't just, she went home and had three boys and two girls the next week or anything. It took a little time, but it compresses it for us so that we can have the privilege of stepping back to see God's hand in a person's life. Sometimes what God does for people in their lives, it takes a bit of time. It takes a few seasons. It doesn't always happen overnight. I mean, you don't get three boys and two girls overnight. But we'd like our prayers to be answered overnight, wouldn't we? Lord, hear my prayer and do it now. How many of us have ever felt like that? But there's a reason why these stories are in the book. They're all there, and they all happen to Israel for whose example? Ours. And sometimes the things he's going to bring us for our lives, they're not going to happen overnight. That's what I take away from this. I look at this and think, wow, Lord, you really honored this woman and she was being picked on 
by her rival, it says. The one that had her sons and her daughters that would accompany her. And she would sit there and go, you don't have any kids. Like, I got a question here for this Samuel story. How many daughters and how many sons did Peninnah have? I am just curious. Did she have two boys and two girls? Or three boys and two girls? It doesn't say. I'm just curious if the Lord let Hannah have more kids. If that was the case, would that have happened in Hannah's life like overnight? How long would it take? See, we want all our answers right away. We want God to fight the battle belongs to him. We want him to fight all the battles, but we want him to do it now. And it says the Lord is the one that granted her the ability. The Lord saw her heart. I love this. This is all about what the Lord did in someone's life. And the Lord gave this woman these three sons and these two daughters. And Samuel, we're told, grows up before the Lord. Samuel will become one of the mightiest prophets used of the Lord in the nation Israel. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord or at our podcast site, celebratethelord.org. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.